on this episode of AV Week. We are coming to you from the offices and studios of AV Magazine. Chris and I are over here in the UK. Mike Blackman and Clive Coldwell joins us as we talk Brexit and the impact it will have on both the UK, European and US integrators. All that and more next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode 425, recorded Friday, October 11th, 2019, live from London. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Atlas IED. Innovative audio solutions for every business environment. And by Kramer, AV Beyond the Box. And by Daylight, the leading producer of high-quality projection screens worldwide. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host. Even if you're listening to this, I sound a little different. If you're watching, obviously, I look slightly different, um, or at least in a different location. We are coming to you from the AV Magazine uh, offices, so thank you very much. Uh, we're, uh, Chris Neto and I are here in London uh, for the AV Magazine Awards uh, night 2019. Uh, we are we, we hosting those tonight. We're recording this on Friday. AV Week will post on Monday, so by the time you see this or hear this, actually Neto and I will be back in New York, don't ask. Uh, with me to discuss all the news and information of the week. Uh, first and foremost, our host uh, for this week, uh, Mr. Clive Caldwell. Thank you, sir. Hello. Welcome to our new studio. It's gorgeous. Thank you. Fantastic acoustics. Uh, David Brilliant said that, videographer. David said that we're, we're, this is the first thing we've ever shot in here. You've ever exactly. shot in here. Well, well people go. can't hear a scream from the outside. Well, that, that's helpful. We're, we're, we're soundproofed, so Especially we can do anything we like. Because the next to you, because yeah. he'll make us scream. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Mike Blackman uh, from ISE. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Tim. Thank you. Thanks for the invitation again. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mike's in time, obviously, for the, the, the awards tonight. And my uh, my cohort for the week, Mr. Chris Neto. How are you, sir? I'm doing all right. How are you doing? I'm all right. I've had 48 plus hours of Tim Albright, so... Sorry about that. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I've been here since Sunday. I, I got to go see the Bears game uh, at Tottenham. Fantastic experience, oh, just right. for the record. Actually, you shouldn't mention Tottenham here at the moment. Okay. <laughs> Is that a thing? Uh, FC Bayern beat them, beat them with cricket scores. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so we've got cricket, we've got football, and we've got football. Okay. But I'm they've got a great stadium. I can only yeah. talk yeah, about it. It's a gorgeous one. stadium. Yeah. <laughs> it's a gorgeous stadium. Um, as a Bears fan, not a great ending. But the one thing I, I was fascinated by was is is the technology. Um, my understanding is Dectronics did the, the ribbon around the stadium. The NFL brought in uh, the Raiders team because it was a Raiders home game. And the graphics, the, the content was seamless. It did not feel like it was cut and paste, right? Like mm. they, they had taken the time to really kind of utilize the, the technology in the in Tottenham uh, Stadium to really make it feel like a home game as much as you can. The boys are going to be at the AV Awards, they've got a table, okay. and they're going to be AV Awards night, so uh, we'll try and catch up with everything else. But it's they've had to produce something that's just slick, yeah. prevents everybody from seeing footy on their television at home, and it offers an amazing experience. It I think was. they've Absolutely spent a lot of time and effort into delivering that, really. Yeah. Uh, Mike, we'll start with you on this, actually. Uh, just about a week ago, this is the 11th of October, uh, if my calendar, uh, both mentally and, and, is, and physically is right. About a week ago, 10 days ago, October 1, uh, ISE registration opened. Last year in Amsterdam, um, my, Chris and I have, have been, uh, we've been going, this will be our fifth or sixth year mm -hmm. covering it. For, real quickly, um, what does it mean, kind of going into it as, as um, 
both from the, the European standpoint, but also from North American uh, integrators that, that are looking to come over. You know, what's one of the one or two things that you're looking forward to as this, not just the last year in Amsterdam, but it's still an ISC. Yeah. So what are you looking forward to? I mean, firstly, Amsterdam has been great for us. It really has. We, you know, it's helped us. Uh, it's been part of the ingredient that's actually helped make ISE successful as a, as a venue and location. You know, one thing we look at every show is actually saying, when guys come away, when everybody comes away from home to do business for a week, you need somewhere where you say, well, that's a fun place to go to as well. Yeah. Uh, and the result is all the industry creates events around the whole show. And Amsterdam's been a really good host for that. So ISC is not just the exhibition. It's everything that goes on around it from, you know, people who get in the weekend before to only leaving the weekend afterwards. I walk around the city at the weekend and I see, I'm saying hi to everybody. I can't go incognito. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we're sad to leave for that reason, but we've outgrown the city. Um, I think my, my famous words when we did the announcement was that, you know, we've had a great home, but we've outgrown it. We need a bigger, bigger house and a bigger yard. And that's what we've got in Barcelona. So we're sad to leave it. We've had some great memories, some great shows there. It's been a tremendous event and we're going to go out with a bang. We're not going to wreck the place, but uh, <laughs> we're, um, we're really going to make sure that uh, this is the best ISE ever uh, until now. Yeah. And then uh, we're building up from that to the new venue which has given us so much potential for growth and creating a new show. Um, one, one of the things that we've been, that's happened is we've had to squeeze in and we built the show and we've had a bit there and a bit there and a bit here and the show's got too big to get around in the whole show. So we, now we have to focus sectors uh, and going to Barcelona gives us the opportunity now to actually say let's create one area where we've got all the digital signage, one area where we've got residential. Um, you're going to see a lot of um, live events, uh, some new things for pro audio. We haven't been able to actually create demo rooms for the pro audio uh, mm. sector and we have that opportunity now. So a lot of new things we're doing. We're really trying to revamp what we're doing and offer the industry what it wants in terms of the new show in Barcelona. Right, very cool. Uh, you guys have also started uh, creating uh, small sections and, and shows around uh, IEC as well. So. Absolutely. This year, um, you know, we branched out to having a bit of the show in the Acora Hotel just yep. up the road. So you'll see most of the conferences being run there and uh, quite a lot of special events, hosted event from, events from manufacturers. So, you know, building up the whole thing. Uh, I always said at the very beginning when we started ISE, it has to be more than an exhibition, it has to be an event. Yeah. And uh, everyone else contributing to that, um, uh, the, the, you know, what's going on, um, the, not just on the show floor, has actually contributed to that. So we've actually brought out uh, some other locations uh, where there are events going on, there are... I mean, you'd be amazed at how many um, non-exhibitors are creating events for their customers to come to Amsterdam yeah. and then saying, well, let's have a dinner here or um, you guys do something as well. You do a drinks event, don't you, somewhere? Um, yes, I'm never, I'm not, I can never remember where that is. <laughs> <coughs> it's somewhere, somewhere. I'm somewhere inviting fluid. you all to Clive's drinks event. Yeah, somewhere, somewhere fluid. <laughs> Typically in, in, your, in your booth, though, is, is, yeah, is really well. Nice, it's everywhere, but you yeah. can be in the booth, yes. Yeah. We, we try and be incognito so people don't remember where they've been. But, other, but on it, this Barcelona in that space in the fifteen different halls, <laughs> it is kind of easy to do that. But on this Barcelona thing, it, it, it's fantastic. The Catalans are going to love yeah, it. The Spanish are going to be flocking in by their thousands. 
it, having been there for both Formula One reporting and coverage and the big telecom shows, I had a, there were so, there were so, so few hotel spaces left. Oh. I had to stay in a boat in the harbour. I also went there to cover the Barcelona Olympics, so I know what, what large groups do in Barcelona. But you've got to go to these big venues, especially the big engineering shows, to see how the big venues are so beautifully managed and big and accommodate. You know, you, you, some of these companies don't know what they can do until they get into a big venue. So I think it's going to absolutely transform I see into a, a absolutely a very different event actually, so I can't yeah. wait. And give the manufacturers some <coughs> some space to play with. Space to well, actually, exactly. what we've been doing in the last months is uh, <coughs> taking most of the um, the top exhibitors. Uh, so we did an event back in May where we took the top 200 ISE exhibitors. We invited them to Barcelona. We hosted them there. We showed them the venue. Mm. We showed them the city and we did a big uh, uh, evening event for them just to show what it has to offer. Yeah. So these guys start to get a bit of an idea of, okay, this is what we can do here. This is what the venue looks like. But here's the rest of the city. Uh, and I already know about things which, uh, m m m well, I've got a list of all the hotels that have been booked by all the companies so far mm. and uh, everyone's starting to plan this is going to be our headquarters now and uh, this is where we're going to be and uh, you know they've now got the opportunity to actually say uh, one you know when when a when, when our major uh, exhibitors come in with a couple of hundred people and they've split them all over the town you know they want to bring them together mm. so now you know we're trying to help them with that by putting them in touch uh, we've blocked all the hotels in the city through through the convention bureau to actually give them opportunity and lock down the prices so that we don't get this explosion of high prices uh, so we're doing a lot of preparation on that, and uh, but mostly getting everyone there beforehand to see what it's about. Yeah, absolutely. Chris, uh, I take you from a couple of different angles here. You've been with with me to ISC. You mm -hmm. also worked for an, an exhibitor. Mm -hmm. you, now you work for a distributor. What does a move like this mean for those of us in the, in the U.S. that are looking at this, going, okay, this is this is Amsterdam this year, but Barcelona's next year? Looking at it, saying, okay, which way, or am I going to both years? You know, am I making a choice here? I don't think you're going to see a change. I think okay. the, uh, the 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 American audience has bought in. Uh, they will come. You throw a party, we're showing up. Yeah, Sorry, right. it's kind of the way it works nowadays. Clive's paying for the drinks. That's it. He's got yes. the tab, so we're oh, all right. Oh, I will remember having done it afterwards. <laughs> but, but we're recording this, so. <laughs> That's Record on record, away. please. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, for the, for, the, for the American audience uh, that's, uh, that's listening to the podcast and going, you know, is this going to change? It's not going to change a thing. For the integrators, the manufacturers, the integrators are still going. ISC has done something uh, very nice for the industry in the sense that that's where you're getting a lot of those early product announcements are being done there. Well, there was over 250 last year, Mike? Uh, even more than that, actually. Uh, yeah. that's it. They're just the ones we know about. Okay. Uh, and, uh, um, you know, I think we've been lucky because of the timing. You know, being at the beginning of the year, um, display companies are launching consumer products uh, at uh, CES, yeah. and then they're coming to us with the professional versions, uh, or sometimes some of the same things. Um, but, you know, that start of the year, you know, when we started, all the product announcements used to be in June at Infocom. And then slowly everyone started moving their R&D around to actually doing a lot of announcements, uh, uh, particularly for the European market, in, uh, in January. And, but even, even with that, I actually spoke to some integrators once and said, you know, um, American integrators, I, I met on the show floor and I said, what are you doing here? You know, we, we have this really great show in the US. Uh, uh, he said, yeah, but we go there as well. But um, we have to keep you ahead of the market. And there's so much happening throughout the year. We need to be at ISE in January, and a lot of them are actually doing international business as well. So, well, in the other part of that is we were talking with uh, Jeremy Caldera from IAS a couple of weeks ago, uh, and Jeremy, Jeremy has uh, he's done he's in leadership in in, in Avixa as well, 
but he made the comment. He said, I go to ISE now so I can get work done. Because if you're a volunteer with Avexi, your, your mm -hmm. Infocom is, is taken up and, and vendors want to meet with you and this and there because they look at, at, at Infocom as the place where you have meetings with Jeremy, right? Because yeah. he's a U.S. integrator. He goes to ISE so he can roam the floor, so he can mm -hmm. be a, 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 an attendee uh, and you know, kind of ebb and flow and, and kind of see what's going on. So, yeah. Yeah, for the most part, most integrators and even the manufacturers, at least at Infocom, has always been the meetings, yeah. right? So yes, there's an education component to it, but you know the behind the scenes is you're setting up meetings and client meetings. That's why I think Vegas is very successful for Infocom. Me personally thinking that because you have a lot of different places mm. where you can take people out for dinners and to do product, uh, you know, product briefs or a lunch and learn during the show itself. So it's an important cog of how business is done aside from the actual show. So if you have those spaces, and Barcelona will provide that, you have the spaces to host, you know, you can bring in the celebrity CEO of the company who is going to, you know, possibly reveal something interesting that will change how integrators are going to do business. Yeah. You're seeing that at, at Infocom, and those are kind of the unadvertised stuff that happens in the back. But you're, you know, you're, you're bringing that to IC as well. And one of the things that uh, I am a fan of with ISE is that for the last couple of years, uh, excuse me, not a couple of years, for the last 10 years, uh, products and mindset is very much influenced by the residential side. And I'm a commercial guy through and through, but I go home and I have an Alexa. Mm -hmm. So in a place where I can see where the trends are coming from on the residential side, because my executives go home, right? Whether I'm a distributor, manufacturer, or an integrator, this, the person who signs the checks for my technology to be installed goes home and turns on his phone and the lights are on, checks to see if his car is in the, still in the driveway, yeah. depends on where he lives, uh, and <laughs> he asks Alexa where the, where the weather is and then will the next day <laughs> go into the office and I'm a former technology manager and ask if they can integrate Alexa into the HVAC system of yeah. a major corporation. Nah, that my... Not what I would suggest, but I saw that. I saw that happening 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. So to be in a place where I can go and speak to a residential integrator and say, how are you guys handling this? How do you handle security? Which is much different. Oh, yeah. But at least you can physically see it because what's, what are me and you gonna do? We're gonna go to, lo to the local big box electronics store, whichever one still remains open, and ask these questions and maybe we'll get a 16 year old who's gonna tell us something, but they're not going to give us the information to the level that that, we need. that would need. And yeah, you're not, and for the most part, at a commercial show, you're not going to get those conversations. But at IC, you will. Because, so, they, because of the cross-pollination mm -hmm. between yeah, them. Yeah, so that's a, that's a, to me, that's a, a major a point of attraction to a show like that, yeah. combining the two. All right. Um, February 11th to the 14th. Uh, ISEurope.org uh, is to register. So I want to switch this up, up a bit. We, uh, Chris and I, are in, are in, in the UK. Um, I'm not going to get into politics. You guys do, you know, talk about what. How do I? I. Um, but there, there, <coughs> is, there are business ramifications to what's going on in, inside the UK today. Supposedly, actually. yes. Um, Boris Johnson, your prime minister, uh, actually met with the the Irish uh, leader uh, yesterday. Indeed, yes. There were pictures all over the front. Mr. Pages. Radke, yeah. He has set a deadline for October 31st to mm. remove the UK yes. from the European Union. You guys call it Brexit. Yeah. Obviously, you know, Chris and I still under, trying to understand the it's, whole thing. It's going to re replace monopolies, a new board game. <laughs> Apparently, yes. yes. Um, <laughs> There's never an ending, but, but it's, there, it's there a great is, process there, all the way there through. There is a yeah. real business impact here to the AV community. 
Uh, I've talked with, with AV uh, manufacturers over the last year who are actively uh, op- pursuing other offices outside of London. Yes. Or outside of, of, of the UK in general. Yes. Um, some of them are going to Paris. Some of them are going to Amsterdam. Um, but they are not, they're not removing themselves completely from the UK, but they're making preparations to, to negate some of this impact. Yes. How are you guys looking at this, and, and, and what's the impact that you're seeing? I asked these people two years ago what they were doing, and they were, they were planning uh, quite a long time ago. They have an interchangeable system. It takes two minutes to move your, your chain around and move your offices around. Okay. It's no big deal to the, AV, the, the larger AV companies. It is to the smaller ones because they're having to buy product and everything else. They put their inventory on hold, and there may well, well be supply problems for the smaller companies, I would think. But the big boys have it planned. They're, they're, they're acting globally. They're telling me they're working globally. So I said, right, let's see them global now, then. Yeah. And Brexit is, is a mere flick. You know, we've joined a common market, but the whole thing has become political. And that's not what we signed up for, in a nutshell. So no one's reporting this accurately at the moment. But it is holding up trade in, in a way that's, that's underpinning the efficiency of it. But I think all the big boys have, have sussed this out a while back. Yeah, people are making noises because they, they'll use any excuse to alter their pricing or put their customers on the back foot. No one will ever say they're having an easy time, but they are. They, I would be disappointed if they hadn't made proper plans and already had it licked. Yeah. So they'll tell one, one side to the public and one side internally. And they will be, as far as I'm concerned, most are operating pretty efficiently and have swapped things around and have, have their, their, their supplies checked okay. because they're thinking globally. Right. You've got Midwich thinking globally. Yeah. You've got all these big companies w- working around the road. Well, they, working around the road. Midwich, they, they'll always have they... local glitches, but yeah. you know, nothing. It's the smaller companies I feel for because they are vulnerable, probably. Yeah, Midwich, I mean, you mentioned them, they've made several purchases the last couple of years. They have. To kind of offset some of this. And of they've, they've got offices outside of the UK just through purchase and acquisition. Yes. So. Mike, uh, you've got a unique position here, and, and you know, um, I'm a Brit sitting in Europe. You exactly. Know? <laughs> you're, 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 well, the Germans think we're nuts. They cannot see the point <laughs> at all of why we're, we're even well, bothering to do it. If and you I, look at it from my, you know, and I'm obviously seeing from the German point of view because that's the newspapers I read and see, but I'm yes. reading the UK ones as well. Unfortunately, I, so I got a, I think I've got a balanced point of view. Of I'm course, reading you both. Always balanced, Mike. <laughs> right, yeah. um, I've got three points of view. The yeah. first one is my personal one, which is, I'm starting to think. Do I become a German citizen now to make my EU travel and... Uh, I thought you were, Mike. Mm. You see, I did this stupid you thing. That's not so stupid. I kept yes, my British passport. Because I said, why do I need to change to a German passport? And now I'm getting to the stage where I'm thinking, maybe I should. But, so that's the personal point of view. Mm. And I'm not worried about living in Germany or traveling back to the UK with a British passport. I'm worried about my travel in the rest of the European Union. Uh, you know, we've just opened up a Spanish company now, uh, and um, I'm starting to think, well, actually, how does that affect my British uh, status, status mm-hmm. uh, living in Germany as well? But those are issues I think will be quite solved quite easily. The main issues start actually on the business side, where we look at our ISC exhibitors. The first ISC we did in Geneva. Mm. Now, as we know, Geneva's in Europe, but it's not in Europe. And I think the UK is going <laughs> to the same <laughs> position. Explain, explain that to the big dumb American here. So. Geneva, Switzerland, Switzerland. Is, in, is, is in physically, in geographically in Europe, yes. but it's not in the European Union. There we go. And so what actually happens is when it comes to actually moving goods around, you have to go through all this paperwork. And it was one of the biggest complaints we got from manufacturers coming from uh, everywhere else in Europe to exhibit at a UK, filling out these carnets and uh, paperwork. And we got so much flack for it. It was unbelievable. 
So my concern now comes from all those UK exhibitors we have who will actually go through that same process again when coming to, whether we stay in Amsterdam or go or yeah. to you know, Barcelona, wherever we're going, they're going to have that issue of actually they have to fill out all that paperwork uh, um, to move their exhibits and their products into the exhibits and back yeah. again. We do as much as we can to try and facilitate. We're trying to work out with Barcelona uh, to actually, um, we, we think we've got a way maybe to make it a, a tax-free zone for, you know, for some of the way, ways the paperwork's being done, but they still have to do the paperwork. And Does that we know is really a bane for a lot of people. Um, so that, that's the first part. What we've seen as well, and what we're hearing, is a lot of companies who have had some, who are shipping from the US or China or Japan, have had central warehousing in Europe. Um, most, one, one of the easiest places to ship into in Europe, if you're going by sea, is Rotterdam. Okay. Uh, it's the big shipping port in Europe. Uh, containers are coming in. They've got this automated, I mean, the whole thing's run by computers. Uh, don't, don't walk around, you'll get run over. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they're now having to say, how do we deal with the UK and put additional facilities in the UK now to actually mm. deal with that? And the problem is, I don't think everyone has the, I don't think everybody has the solution yet. Everyone's working towards it to say, how do we deal with this? Or will we have to deal with this? Because um, those are issues that have not been solved. I hope, I really, really hope that uh, part of the whole settlement, whichever way it goes, but if it goes to the fact that the UK does Brexit and what I'm hearing in the news this morning, uh, uh, the Irish backstop solution seems to be almost there. Um, so if that happens, then I am thinking a Brexit will happen at the end of this month. Um, and I think a lot of people are sitting in the air waiting to say, do we, do we stay or do we go? Is it as easy, and it's as, easy as Clive said, where come November 1st, the companies that have their ducks in a row, that have yeah, their papers in order, I think so. they're just going to flip a switch? Yeah, I think so. This, this whole thing's been, been um, I wouldn't say misreported, but the emphasis is all wrong. Uh, the most serious element of all this is what we do with with, with the Irish question, okay. and, and after all those troubles. And real briefly, the Irish question for again, well, uh, big dumb American. Well, um, uh, we have Nor Northern Ireland is part of the it's UK, part, okay. and we have the troubles with uh, independence mm -hmm. with Southern Ireland, and, and the border, and the Irish, the wanted Ireland for Ireland, you know, but we're, we're stuck with all these hundreds of years of. Of history, so and we, we eventually came to agreement with after all the terrorist troubles and everything else that they would we have a parliament and people would get self-governed and so on. Uh, in Stormont, we'll have a representative of everybody. That took years to achieve, and it was a huge agreement. And that is, to my mind, the most important thing we get right. And there has been some suspicion that the uh, Leo Radka, who is the uh, the the TSOC, um, the, the guy who rules Southern Ireland has been playing his sort of card to keep us in Europe rather than keep out. And then now really we need to tackle it hard and stop messing about. We need to get a decent agreement on how we're going to tackle our border question without, without threatening that agreement. And that, to my mind, is much more important than within Europe. Don't forget, I live through going in Europe, yeah. which is a far more hassle-free. Mm -hmm. we're, we're going to lose a queen and, you know, a whole war generation which are cheesed off by... Going, now we're much, we are we are European. We live in Europe. We do. We are. We're, we're, there's no difference between us. The difference is being in the politics. But everybody else is sharing that view. It's not just the UK. Uh, we need to boost Europe. But I think you know it, it's, it's outlived its usefulness. There has to be a currency of rest. There are lots of good things about the European setup. Yeah. But you know we are now operating globally. But that doesn't mean to say it's going to threaten trade into Europe. You know, and they need Europe needs us as much as we need them. Yeah. You know, and, it, and we get really well. 
you know. Yeah, it'll be interesting, especially as, as we as an industry kind of make our own transitions. So. You know, people always have problems delivering locally. Everybody yeah. tries to think global and deliver local, but whether you need you or not, it's always going to be, it's always a hassle. Yeah. It's always local currency difficulties. Chris, this will be interesting. Chris, uh, if you don't know, uh, hosts a, a, a chat every Sunday morning, Eastern time. Um, make sure that we, we say that, Eastern time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you start at what, 7 a.m. Eastern? So 8 a.m. Eastern on 8 Sundays. 8 a.m. Eastern, so I get mm-hmm. 7 a.m. my time. So um, as you're talking with folks, because folks all over the world mm-hmm. jump in on your chats, um, we've met a number of them here, uh, both last year and this year, both. Um, what do you... What do you think? I, I think your biggest sense of going into the next year or two, mm-hmm. um, the U.S. has its own issues. I won't get into those. Please, um, the tariff questions, but man. Yeah, um, <laughs> and that's a whole other conversation too. Mm-hmm. You know, what are people talking about? Is it is it Brexit? Is it tariffs? Or is it you know what? I've I've got to figure out how to how to make a sales presentation tomorrow morning to, to land this job. Well, as you know, I try to stay away from the politics yes. as much as possible. And this is a fiery, fiery, fiery topic. I mean, uh, when I wake up at 8 o'clock, excuse me, I wake up a lot earlier on Sundays. Mm-hmm. When I launch the the, the, the the chat on Sunday mornings at 8 o'clock, the first ones out are, are the people that are chatting that are coming in from uh, Germany and from the UK. And a big chunk of AV and the AM's early conversations are, are starting here in Europe. And I let them go. I moderate depends on whatever question I'm putting out there. But almost on a weekly basis, a Brexit comment comes out. And they always break off into their side. And there's always a little discussion amongst themselves of what Brexit is going to do to impact it. Fortunately, AV and AM is not impacted by Brexit. And we have no trade tariffs to <laughs> no. worry about. So not yet. operate freely. But uh, yeah, there, there's, there's some concern. But um, a lot of the guys that are there, the people I'm talking to are not high-level CEOs are not getting up. They're, they may be watching and lurking. Mm-hmm. I know you're out there. But the ones that are talking are the blue-collar workers. These are guys that are getting up every morning. Their biggest fear is, like anything else, the decisions made above, how is that going to impact their livelihood? Yeah. And that is a big concern, whether they're voicing that on, on social or privately offline telling me that. You know, it's, it, it, is, it is a concern. For us in the States, we don't... It's hard for us to understand Brexit right now. Maybe years ago when we separated from you guys. I mean, that, that's why we, we weren't around. We, we, yeah, we weren't around. But uh, and that was much messier. <laughs> and, and, that, and that was that. That was a, a bit of a fight. But I could say that you know, once you start getting into affecting a person's way of living, mm-hmm. and the first thing, and I'm one of those. You know, if you're going to affect the way I can provide for my family, it sends me into panic mode, mm-hmm. right? And you start preparing for that. So. I guess from the bigger conversations, we all look at the high level, right? We all look at how companies are going to deal. Just as long as everybody just kind of takes a breath and understands that the technicians, the warehouse techs, the purchasing managers, the, the people that are not on the front lines may not be executives. They're the ones that are probably going to be hit mm. the hardest. Yeah. Similar to what you said, mm. you know, some of the, the biggest concerns, everybody's looking at very high level concerns, but how is it going to affect the, 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 the small people? I don't think people mm. are vo- vocalizing that. Uh, just yet on AV and AM, I've gotten those uh, from the back, you know, yeah. kind of on the on the side, and there is some genuine concern. But it's business as usual because that's what the companies are telling them: business as usual, business as usual. But just like anything else, you kind of sleep with one eye open and wait and see what happens. And if this does go down, I think the tone will completely change, and then people will get fiery, right? I think at the end of the day, everyone's concerned about how does it affect me. 
Yeah, it's always the first question. Uh, yes, you know how it affects me. Also, how, how it affects my company affects me too. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, but I think, and maybe a lot of the issues on Brexit is misinformation, misunderstanding, mm -hmm. um, no real clarity about really what are the consequences, you know, of this or that on both sides. Yep. So I think there's a lot of confusion that goes around, and uh, and I, I think we're, it's really a wait and see at the moment. Everyone's going to say, okay, what's going to happen? Well, a lot, a lot, there's a lot of dissatisfaction with everybody's political systems at the minute. So we're having yeah. new generations coming through, three three generations removed from the old war generation that, that repeat, repeated the status quo we all grew up in, in a very disciplined and so on environment. And now we're we're, we're seeing people who are have very different views and do want to do things differently uh, and are rethinking just how good our politicians are and whether our systems are fit for purpose or not. And quite frankly, um, you know, democracy is under quite a threat at the minute, generally mm -hmm. speaking, because that not just because you, you speak more loudly doesn't mean to say you shouldn't get, let the other side have an equal, an equal say in what's going on. And actually people forget that, uh, you know, a large number of people voted to come out and that, that's the thing that Parliament should be respecting rather than being held in contempt as it currently is yeah. uh, and delivering what the people voted for. And that would be the same for America, for any other country. So that's what I'm worried about. You, you but I think, it's a, I think it's a passing phase whilst they all grow up. You're 100% right there yes. in the sense that my belief in politics is you can do whatever you want. You won't have a job yeah. if it's up to me the next time because the way politics work is one thing behind closed doors but the way democracy works we go to you know we go to the polls you mess up my livelihood you're out of a job mm. because the people will say and the people will speak so yes. that's the way I look at it so go ahead you want to mess it up we'll fix it we'll throw you out and then we'll correct what you did wrong what, and, what, what, and fix what, it I, I don't what, I don't want to do that what is coming out of there's much more scrutiny on the politicians that service you know mm. what their private interests are yes. who they are who are they responsible mm -hmm. to that's on both sides of the pond mm. absolutely you know we are both our, sides of the pond both sides of the aisle you know mm. in, whether you're conservative yeah. or, or liberal yeah. Yeah. yeah actually I have no vote I left the UK and I moved to Germany and yeah. because I'm not a German citizen I can't vote in Germany and because I've been out the UK more than 10 years I can't vote in the UK oh, either that's, so you a, don't. that's a bad position that's a bad here. position <laughs> you might you might want to fix that somewhere yeah, yeah. Right. well it was any consultation I can't fit in the polling booth anyway <laughs> so it sort of solves the problem <laughs> ours in the states are more open air yes we, I can still fit in my wonderful all right <laughs> gentlemen thank you so much this was a, a fascinating conversation uh, Mr. Chris Neto, thanks for hanging out with me this morning. Thank week. you. Thank you. How do people get a hold of you and or Starin? I, I, I will mention the fact that Starin is moving into Europe, has moved into Europe now. Uh, so I'll be interested to talk to you and, and our buddy Bobby Schwartz, uh, see how that goes the next year. Bobby's the man when you want to talk to, especially regarding the Brexit and all that sort of stuff. He's actually here. I, I did a, another episode of my um, executive chair. Uh, with Bobby, so he'll be coming up in another two, three months. So wait a minute, is that what you call a tease? Yes, that's a tease. <laughs> Come on, I'm a professional. Awesome. So uh, if you would like to find out more information about Staren, you can find us on the web at Staren.biz. Me, I'm on the internet. I'm easy to find. Chris yes, underscore Neto on Twitter. Uh, you can find me Sundays doing my uh, chores at uh, hashtag AV in the AM and. Uh, you know, thank you for, Claude, thank you for having us here in, in yeah. the UK. I love coming to Columbia. I hope you like our studio. It's, it's, it's your come on, hasn't it? Your, your studio's top notch. We're, 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 we're separated off from everybody. We're isolated 
splendidly in the, this room, I think. Is this where you come to hide now? Sadly not. But don't I, tell, I, don't. I have thought about having a snooze occasionally, but I haven't, I haven't done you it. You can have your coffee in here in that nice mug. Yes, that's a good idea. That's, good. that's a good excuse. <laughs> Mr. Caldwell, thank you, sir. How do people get a hold of you or AV Magazine? Well, I hope they don't get a hold of me. Thank <laughs> you. I'm faking a lot, of course. Um, AVinteractive.com, uh, at AV Mag on Twitter. Yes. And, um, you know, I suppose they'll be getting hold of me this evening at the AV Awards. Yes, sir. Uh, as indeed you as will indeed. be. As indeed. Well, that's, that's the rumour um, that we're showing up. But I try and make myself scarce, uh, usually most of the time. Yeah. I'm sometimes seen, I'm sometimes not. All right. Best way. Mr. Blackman, thank you, sir, as always. Thank you also. How do people get a hold of you or uh, ISE, or how do they register? Well, to register, uh, registration is now open. Go to uh, iseurope.org. So remember, I-S-E-U-R-O-P-E, -E, Europe, that big place out there, uh, .org. Just mention Mike's name, <laughs> yes. you're fine. <laughs> the other side of the river. The other side of the river. <laughs> We're still in. Um, yes. <laughs> and you can reach me at... Uh, um, on Twitter at uh, uh, ISE underscore Mike. Uh, otherwise, uh, go to the website, come and join us, be at ISE, 11th to 14th of February in Amsterdam, the last year. Come and enjoy Amsterdam. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we'll be there. Uh, you, we'll be hanging out uh, probably the, the Saturday or Sunday uh, beforehand. So thank you guys so much. Uh, for us, for AV Nation, don't, for me, don't follow me on the Twitters um, because, well, if you were on the Twitters last night with uh, Mr. Neto and I, you somehow saw me in a tie-dye shirt, so um, oh, sure tie-dye, that, that one. <laughs> yeah, check out Chris's uh, Periscope. So, uh, but seriously, go by the website avnation.tv. Avnation.tv. You will find this program and a host of others. Also, by the time this post, I mentioned the fact that Chris and I will both be back in New York uh, for New York Digital Signage Week, so that coverage will be there uh, as well. We'll be doing a live program from Dactronics in the middle of Times Square uh, Monday at 2 o'clock Eastern, so you can check that out So also while you're there. Check out our supporter section. These are the folks who help us financially, help us bring you AV Week and New York Digital Signage Week and Resi Week and ISE coverage uh, from Amsterdam in 2020. All that and more at avnation.tv. That's avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. That's all the time we have for AV Week.